Welcome to Regal's RightCast, where we share all things LIDAR. I'm Miranda Welke, Marketing Events Coordinator for Regal USA. This series features interviews with industry experts from around the world, innovative LIDAR applications, best practices, workflow advice, and even exciting news about hardware and software. The podcasts are produced by Regal at their North American headquarters, located in Central Florida and available worldwide through our Regal newsroom on www.regal.com. Please visit our website to subscribe to the newsroom. Simply input your email address and click. It's that easy. The regal.com website is a great place to find detailed information on the many LiDAR scanning hardware, firmware, and software products that Regal provides, or request more information or a call from a Regal specialist. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the road with Josh France and the VMX. Please join Josh as he sets out to talk with John Duggan and David Hedrick from KCI and how Regal's VMX 2HA is helping them and their customers succeed. Tune in and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Road Trips with Josh and the VMX. Today, I'm taking Interstate I-75 all the way up to Atlanta. I'm going to make sure I pack my patience to deal with the traffic, as it's always lots of fun to travel through downtown Atlanta. That's right, I'm in Atlanta visiting our friends at KCI at their Lawrenceville location, where I trained them not that many years ago on the VMX 2HA. Now, a bit more about KCI. They have many offices throughout the U.S. with a majority concentrated in the Atlantic region and some in the Southeast as well. But they are a full coast-to-coast company. KCI is a 100% employee-owned engineering, planning, and construction firm serving clients throughout the United States. Their multi-disciplined service offerings allow them to provide excellent turnkey expertise to both federal, state, and local governments as well as institutional and private sector clients. So they have a lot of offerings. So for more information about KCI, make sure to visit them at kci.com. So today we're going to talk about the VMX2HA, and I had the privilege of training one of my guests, John Duggan, a few years ago when I was up there, and Dave Hendricks has joined their company as well. And he's going to talk a bit more about how KCI has marketed the VMX and expanded their services within KCI. All right, so today I'm joined by both David and John from KCI. Uh, so welcome to RideCast. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so Dave, we'll start with you. Uh, how did KCI find itself in a position to enter the exciting arena of mobile LiDAR? Well, KCI has experienced a tremendous amount of growth in the last few years. The company was founded in 1955 and became an ESOP in 1989. It's headquartered in Maryland and very well established in the greater mid-Atlantic area but has been aggressively expanding geographically through organic growth and acquisitions in the last few years. Today, we've got something on the order of 1,700 employees and 50 offices across the country. So we've got a big footprint these days and a lot of good business. So with good business and good corporate focus and strategies, we're able to put ourselves in the financial position to afford uh, the -the state-of-the-art Regal Mobile Unit. Yeah, that's quite a large company that uh, KCI has put together there. That's really exciting. So Dave, where are you based out of? Uh, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I actually work out of the Lawrenceville office as well. So I pretty much get to all the major offices across the country and concern myself with the mobile unit, which is obviously very mobile. So we get around a lot of travel. 
So what do you think one of the main motivating factors was for KCI to want to invest into LiDAR technology? Well, it's a big investment and a big decision. So we didn't go into it lightly. We had a big thought process and and maybe four big factors for this came into play. First, we're driven by employee safety. As we all know, with distracted driving over the last few years, it's become much more dangerous trying to collect data in, in roadways. So uh, the mobile unit that allows us to, uh, you know, set our control on the outside of the roadway, which is much safer, and to collect data without having to be in the roadway itself. So safety is a big thing. Second is the efficiency. We were able to collect more data. We were able to collect it much more quickly. Uh, and not to mention, in conventional surveying, you can miss things and have to go back, and you don't really have to do that as much with the mobile unit. The third big motivating factor was the desire for us to stay on the cutting edge of surveying. Technologies is literally in our company name, and KCI really walks the walk when it comes to staying ahead of the game. So we are willing to invest in the latest technologies, and uh, that allows us to attract and keep the best staff in the business. Fourth, we knew we were going to have internal and external clients to service right away. Internally, KCI set up four what we call markets, uh, transportation, utilities, water, and site facilities. Site facilities is the where surveying is and where the mobile unit resides. We service a lot of our clients doing design work for DOTs. Transportation Group grossed $130 million in 2019, so they've got a big book of business that we can help them with. Site facilities grossed $37 million in 2019, a lot of internal clients. As far as external clients goes, we were able to increase uh, our uh, offerings to mass transit. We've done a lot of high-speed rail work. We've done the Dulles Rail Extension for WMATA, which is the Washington Metro Area Transportation Authority. Mm-hmm. We've scanned the Pennsylvania Tur- Turnpike, where they put in a lot of fiber work. We've scanned for MARTA, which is the uh, Atlanta's high-speed rail. Oh, nice. And uh, again, well, and we're just getting started. That is a lot of work. Wow. Uh, that's great. And you certainly have a lot of internal uh, groups within KCI, as well as of diverse territory. What is one of the ways in which you're able to effectively communicate the services that you can offer each of those groups? Well, for starters, KCI has got a very good organizational structure from top to bottom. Our um, C-level executives uh, know everyone and, and get the word out on everything we do, all the way down through our, our managers who are well-networked, and we talk frequently. And there's not a lot of siloing between the groups. So oh, great. we also do things like we have a what we call our technology sharing committee. And we get on, the, on an online meeting once a month and, and we'll demonstrate the different technologies and the new things we're doing. And actually, John did this to the technology sharing committee just a couple of months ago. So hundreds of people tune into these lectures that are given on the, uh, you know, at a lunch hour. And uh, we're able to effectively show the whole company the things we can do. And in turn, when they see the need, they'll reach out to us and, and we'll service them like that. Well, that's a fantastic way to do it. Well, thank you, Dave. Let's uh, go to John now. So I know you first started with the VMX a few years ago. Um, I always get questions, you know, how easy is it to teach someone how to use the VMX 2HA? And I usually feel it's fairly straightforward, uh, but I always like to hear other people's perspective on that. So what do you think prepared you to work with the VMX and the processing of mobile data? Well, starting off, we'll start from the beginning. And actually, my formal education is, is actually not engineering or surveying at all. I actually got my start doing history and archaeology, oh. and specifically archaeological technology and archaeological sciences. So a lot of my formal education is in things like remote sensing, um, LIDAR, things along those lines. 
Well, in the classroom, I mostly had, you know, just kind of a very cursory kind of education on it. Starting to work uh, for about five years, I worked as an archaeologist in which we oftentimes use drones and LIDAR and other kind of scanning technologies. And then actually, when I moved to Atlanta about three years ago, I was uh, I got hired by KCI and I started in the field as a uh, as a surveyor, just doing general uh, conventional survey work, which really grounded me in kind of the the bare bones kind of necessities of what it takes to create a good survey. And then, you know, from there, they moved me on to uh, some of the terrestrial scanning technologies and platforms that we utilize on a day to day basis um, before kind of. Uh, you know, before we actually, Casey, I purchased the VMX 2HA in which they brought me on board uh, to kind of uh, learn that process and uh, and eventually, you know, kind of take over the project. Um, but, you know, kind of in, in hindsight, you know, having a, a kind of a well-established background in survey, uh, having, you know, experience with um, other scanning technologies. But, you know, to be honest, we have a very qualified team of surveyors and techs in the office, which a very long kind of work history with scanning technologies, including LIDAR. Uh, so having having those resources behind me to, you know, both ask questions, bounce ideas off of, mentor, things along those lines. So in really, it, it does take a village sometimes. And, you know, having that team has, has really been helpful. Oh, that's very interesting. A lot of folks don't see archaeology as the gateway to LIDAR, typically speaking. But it's definitely true that a lot of archaeology is done with a lot of remote sensing technology these days. So what, what kind of remote sensing technology did you get to use with archaeology in your studies? So starting uh, starting back when I was still a student, um, I did my uh, what's called a field school, uh, where I basically learned the actual nuts and bolts of physical labor within uh, what it takes to do actual archaeological survey. We had a, a company actually founded by one of our members, um, one of our staff members. This is way back in probably 2011, where he actually was uh, developing his own drone-based LIDAR oh, wow. kind of platforms. And so that was my first kind of experience with it actually in the field. So I kind of just had, a, you know, having an interest in it, I, I kind of worked with him a little bit and got to, got to work with some, you know, really early kind of, you know, stuff like that. But other than that, uh, I worked for a university in Pennsylvania called Mercyhurst University for a while, oh, yeah. in which we had a very qualified geologist on staff that, uh, you know, kind of his background in archaeology is with GPR, uh, ground penetrating radar, and other kind of similar remote sensing things like that. So I actually got to go in the field quite a bit with him and do stuff both on geologic uh, sites as well as uh, archaeological sites. Well, that's very cool. Thanks for sharing that information with us, John. Yeah. All right. Now to... Uh shift on some more modern day technology and projects what so it's been a few years since uh, you received the vmx and got off and running what type of projects have you mainly focused on and can you walk us through some of the the process of the pursuit to the delivery of the data so the whole workflow i guess yeah so um, as david kind of hinted on uh, earlier we have a very kind of diverse set of uh, disciplines within kci technologies so you know we have a lot of internal clients so i do a lot of work for other, other departments within KCI, but also we do get quite a bit of outside contracts. Um, but, you know, kind of one of the lion's share of, of the work with that, especially comes to our office, is transportation. Um, so, you know, we do a lot of, as David said, we do a lot of turnpikes. We've done um, some, you know, major highway interchanges, some overpasses. We do, we do some bridge work, um, things along, like, along those lines. Uh, some of the more kind of unique uh, contracts we've gotten um, was actually we got a series of contracts to scan uh, some industrial facilities where the client didn't want um, you know based on safety concerns 
didn't want boots on the ground, didn't want actual physical people right. inside the facility to inspect, you know, the different things that they were kind of looking at. So they actually hired us and we, uh, we set control, pretty good control outside the building. And then we did a couple of passes with the, with the VMX inside, um, this large industrial facility and got really good results. And kind of a testament to, um, kind of our collaboration and our skill within our offices is they actually said that, that they're never going to do a survey without the VMX ever again. So that was kind of a, a good ego boost for us. And then uh, actually more recently, we've been doing some work with different uh, DOTs and big actually energy companies to manage uh, different clearances along different routes. Um, so one of the contracts is they were interested along an older uh, section of interstate, kind of how high and, you know, or what the clearances were like on some of the bridges and overpasses. So we, we drove those and just kind of gave them, that was a, kind of a quick and dirty one where we gave them kind of just general clearances. But more recently than that, an energy company hired us to uh, basically scout out a uh, a route for them because they're going to move some some pretty large equipment on back roads through you know country highways, and they wanted to know whether or not one it was possible, and two if it wasn't, what it was going to take to either redesign some of those utilities that might clash, or what they can do to, to find alternative routes or, or mitigate those issues. So, you know, they, they're kind of interested in the fact that, you know, not only are they getting traditional clearance data, but they're actually getting a 3D model that then, if need be, they can design off of and create the most readily available solution that, that best fits their needs on a both timely and cost-effective nature. That's really cool. Yeah, both of those are great examples of maybe outside-the-box thinking with use of the VMX for sure. Yeah, and then uh, so moving on to your second part of the question mm-hmm. is uh, kind of what our process is. Right. So. Typically, we like to have our survey crews lay out the control. We do that for a couple of different reasons. One is, is we can kind of train them up on kind of best practices on, on what we, and how we like to see things done. And we, we pride ourselves on not just the efficiency, but the accuracy of our, of our work. Also, doing it in-house allows us to do QAQC a little more readily available and it makes it a little bit easier for us to do that. Absolutely. So, you know, as you know, as you know, um, and as we've talked about a lot in the, in the past, kind of the basis for a good mobile scan is the control. Uh, without good control, um, everything else kind of uh, it can and tends to fall apart. So once we have that good control laid down, we know we then we then drive the site. We mobilize the uh, the unit and starting off when we first did it, I did a lot of that work. Um, and then but now we actually have a team of highly trained individuals who who kind of do that for us within our company. Um, and they've gotten quite good at it. I think you've had the opportunity to, to meet some of them. Yep. So yeah, so after after scanning it, then the data comes back into our office. And I typically nowadays handle most of the kind of the mission planning, but as well, the the kind of the processing, initial processing of the LIDAR data. And then from there, once we have a, you know, kind of a geo-referenced point cloud tied to control and, you know, have all the, uh, the photographs kind of mixed in there, uh, we hand it off to actually, we have a team, um, uh, a team of about six people who utilize TopoDot, and they do a lot of the uh, the semi automated uh, extraction in that platform. And then from there, we end up creating a final deliverable. You know, like we said, since you know, depending on if we have an ex- internal or external contracts, a lot of times our deliverables are just full microstation topographic right. uh, surveys that you know that we use for various different things. But you know, we've done everything from raw point clouds to sometimes people just want the photographs, and you know, so it just depends on on what what the client wants. Yeah, very good. Well, there's a lot we could ask more questions about, but I'll, I'll save it to just a few follow-ups here. So what type of control objects, file, or shapes do you guys use for mobile LiDAR control? 
mostly we use two foot by one foot vinyl reflective squares. So we actually use a, a type of tape that is designed for temporary roadway markings that we have custom made um, in precision two foot by one foot squares. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then from there we lay them in the field and then we mark the center, drive a nail, and then we survey that nail for uh, the location. And then the software does its, does its work and right process kind of uh, identifies the center of each of those trying or each of those squares and, and creates a, you know, creates us a control file. All right. Great. Uh, just was checking to uh, see what everyone's using out there. Cause uh, everyone has their own uh, special, uh, affinity to a certain shape type for uh, control points. You guys like the rectangles. That's good to know. Yeah, we've, we've had pretty good success with it. And then, they, you know, two foot by one foot, they're readily available. They're uh, distinguishable from other roadway markings. And um, yeah, we've had pretty good success with it. Oh, that's good. And the, uh, and the automated uh, point selection feature has been working well for you guys in my process as well. That's good to hear. Yes, it has. It has, absolutely. Yeah, That's not always the case. Uh, we're working on fine-tuning that so it can be more... Uh, adaptable to different uh environments but uh that's the rectangles do seem to work the best well as you mentioned your acquisition team uh they did have a chance to stop, swing by our office to uh, get a ladybug cable checked out uh which we were lucky to uh, be able to solve eventually that just needed tightened as it turned out but they were headed uh to key biscayne uh which sounded like a really interesting project uh now that you've had a few more, I think, months to, to work on it, what can you tell us about the Key Biscayne project? Well, yeah, so it's, it's Key Biscayne, Florida, which is a, an island off the coast of Miami. Um, we got hired actually by the village of Key Biscayne um, to do a full survey of basically the entire island. Wow. Um, you know, the first kind of portion of that was the mobile LIDAR. So, you know, we went out there with AVMX and we scanned anything that was drivable. Um, you know, outside of smaller driveways and things and private property and things along those lines sure. where, you know, it's not really viable to, you know, to, to do that. Um, but we were actually fairly successful. Um, I'm actually still actually on my other screen right now. I'm actually still processing that data. Um, you know, such a huge project. It's, it's taken us a long time to kind of get all the pieces in order, like the control and everything to, to, to get that rolling. So I'm actually working on that currently. Um, sure, sure. but yeah, so anything that we couldn't get with the uh, the VMX 2HA, uh, we supplemented with aerial LIDAR, which we got from subcontractor that we've, we've used for years. Okay. Um, and then eventually, um, we already have kind of a cruise out doing that right now. Um, but eventually what we're going to do is we're going to send out full crew, full conventional survey crews to to do cleanup. So anything that the aerial LIDAR can't catch, any of the mobile LIDAR can't catch, they'll go out and they'll, um, you know, and they'll, they'll kind of fill in the gaps. But so far as, as we've been pretty pretty good and there's not gonna be there's not huge lapses in our coverage so it's, it's pretty nice well that's certainly a large project to uh undertake with it being a whole island area and it's not it's not like a two street island i'm pretty sure of that from my time visiting miami so how do you undergo planning such a mission from the acquisition and then the data management side yeah so uh that's a great question it's something that actually i spent a lot of time thinking about when we first uh, started talking about this project uh, almost uh, seems like almost a year and a half ago when we first was approached by it so what the, the what we ended up going with is that we split the island into three different kind of more or less equal sections um, or phases sure um that we then collected in succession so you know when we would collect all of phase one move on to phase two and then finally on to phase three um and kind of within each of those projects uh, or each of those phases, uh, we would create a single uh, regal uh, project within uh, Rye Choir. Right. Um, and then from there, 
we would kind of split it up into smaller, more manageable sections in which each one of those would be its own trajectory. So it kind of gives us kind of flexibility to kind of process it in different sections and, and you know, kind of QC it or, you know, if God forbid something were to happen and one of the files got corrupted, we're not losing an entire phase. We're only losing three or four streets. Right, right, right. So that was the plan. <laughs> now, anybody who has uh, visited uh, South Florida uh, knows is that the rain doesn't always go with your plan. True. Um, so in the end, we ended up kind of having to uh, kind of shoot from the hip a little bit and kind of figure it out as we go and kind of make adjustments based on on the rain. Um, but one kind of thing that we did that we started doing recently that kind of helped this out is is for some of these larger projects, kind of the organization and, and kind of just making sure that you got everything. Right. It's is been kind of hard, especially when you have field crews in the, in the field that might not exactly you know, they, they, they're not sitting in all the meetings. They don't know exactly all the little minute details or the, the areas that client really wants to see. Sure. So we actually invested in an enterprise version of TeamViewer, which I know y'all use for uh, customer service and, and kind of technical issues. We actually, in, in, you know, um, invested in enterprise version ourselves. And actually, I spent a lot of time in the office doing mission planning and kind of kind of live QAQC as they were driving. So I kind of kept that up and was kind of just monitoring where they were and kind of making notes myself in the office of what we've done, what we haven't done, keeping them on, you know, kind of on speed dial and speakerphone to kind of just continually keep track of them and, and you know, be, be there if they needed anything. So that actually worked out pretty well in Florida and it's something that we've kind of implemented ever since. It kind of is an additional kind of set of eyes on the data to make sure we get everything. Oh, that's great. So you're able to use the remote access capability the VMX 2HA CU box allows for as long as you have uh, cellular data coverage, right? Or were they hotspotting it or how, how are you connecting? Yeah. So that's, that's one thing that we've kind of learned is originally we were using, we first started doing this kind of stuff, we were using just a hotspot on somebody's phone. Right. You know, we would turn it on, fire it up, kind of connect to that. But as we kind of started doing more of these kind of larger projects, we realized that Cell service isn't great all the all, everywhere, and even that being so, when it is good, sometimes on the phone it doesn't really necessarily provide a a great signal depending on the service. So we actually invested in a uh, a jetpack, a, a mobile kind of Wi-Fi hotspot uh, directly through Verizon. Oh, nice, um, and that creates actually a very good connection that we you know, we're able to get pretty good connection and allows me to kind of remote in and kind of interface with the with the VMX CU in the field, which has come in handy and actually saved us a lot of time sometimes when there's a technical issue or, or anything along those lines. You know, it's very easy for me just to get on my computer in the office, remote in, take a look at the settings, kind of do some some of the technical QAQC kind of stuff that that actually I learned through a lot of a lot of your uh, a lot of your technicians through y'all's office in, in, down in Orlando. Uh, but yes, it's actually worked out really well for us. And we, you know, we now it's kind of standard operating procedure. Oh, very cool. So uh, I guess how did you how'd you manage all the data? Because I'm sure this wasn't you know a small amount of data that you guys had to collect. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely was not. Um, it's probably one of the biggest projects we've had to date, um, especially in terms of raw scanning in a short period of time. Right. Um, in the end, it ended up being close to 2.6 terabytes of of raw data. We actually we were using up most of the you know. So originally we started off. Where we were just dumping at the end of every day, we would just condense all the drives into the into the scan drive one, right, and then offloading it onto a computer. Well, then we filled up the computer, so we actually had to send the guys out to Best Buy and get a two terabyte drive that we then started backing everything up on that. 
something that we've kind of been working on ourselves uh, on back channels within KCI is working on different methods for kind of syncing that data over remote connections real time is something that we're working on. So it's a feature that we're working on currently that, that, that will be available through our services eventually. Um, so hopefully all these data issues will kind of go, well, may not go away, but they'll, they'll be remedied pretty easily. So on top of that 2.6 terabytes of raw data, we collected approximately 150,000 photos with both the ladybug and the, uh, the lower mounted cameras. And in general, at the end, we ended up collecting over 30 miles of residential and commercial roadways. So yeah, it was a huge, a huge ordeal and a huge undertaking. And uh, we actually had to update the, uh, or get a larger uh, hard drive on, on my desktop in the office because I didn't have enough hard drive to process the data in, in its current format. Um, so that that was that was an interesting kind of hurdle to overcome, but yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely been was from design uh, one of the, the initial concerns that we had. Absolutely, uh, managing all the the raw data is always going to be a challenge. I think for the conceivable future, as much as we'd like to have uh, you know the instantaneous upload uh, while we're driving to a, a backup service, there's lots of limitations of the internet connectivity throughout the country that aren't always the same as we'd like to believe they are. So that definitely creates some challenges there. But that's good to hear that you're able to overcome that. And 2.6 terabytes is an awful lot of raw data, absolutely. So thanks for sharing a lot about that uh, project. Kibis case sounds really interesting. We'll stay tuned to see what other interesting bits of information you can share with us and the Regal community about that project. So now that you've been working in mobile field, and I always like to ask people, where do you see the, the next mobile innovation coming from? What What's next? What do you think uh, we should be working on at Regal to uh, help support the next generation of mobile mapping systems in five to 10 years? Well, yeah, that's something that actually that, you know, as David said earlier, technology is in our name, KCI Technologies. So something that we think about pretty readily and pretty often, as you mentioned, we have a tech sharing committee. And within that committee, we have a subcommittee that I'm on. It's called the Emerging Technology Committee, in which we discuss a lot of these kind of real world and future applications for a lot of this technology. So kind of four main things that I see as, as being will be great boost to uh, not just uh, mobile LIDAR, but in 3D scanning and imaging in general. Um, the first of those is, you know, every year we're seeing better and better GNSS GPS uh, units coming out in which, you know, you're getting better quality, more accuracy, more satellites, better satellites. Right. And so, you know, as that increases, you know, nowadays the X and the Y, the, uh, the Latin along locations with GPS has usually gotten pretty accurate. Vertical is still to come, but as we get better satellites, that's actually coming down too. So just, you know, that's one thing is as that and technology continues to increase, um, I'd be interested to see if in the future, if that will be able to uh, kind of make the actual targeting, the conventional targeting and surveying of sites uh, obsolete. My note is one of the largest and, uh, you know, kind of time constraints for, you know, delivery on some of these projects is getting those targets located, is, is doing it right. And that's something that KCI Technologies prides themselves on is doing it right the first time, doing it accurately. So all the things we do to, you know, kind of guarantee that is, is time consuming. But if we were able just to deploy, you know, deploy the, deploy the unit, not worry about control, just drive it with, with local GNSS, you know, that would be able to, to kind of fully unlock the, you know, the full, the full potential of, of such a kind of integrated unit. Expanding on that is, is doing that while maintaining kind of survey grade, survey grade point clouds and survey grade deliverables. Other than that, 
something that we kind of work on a little bit and we kind of, you know, are working on is the development and the creation of, of kind of next generation reality meshes and point clouds, um, specifically from photography. So it's kind of something that got started off in the, uh, the kind of the drone UAV realm uh, with photogrammetry and everything. But actually, you know, the technology to create point clouds from photographs is kind of catching up with uh, with lasers and lidar. Now they they do have the pros and cons. You know, you're always going to need both systems doing different things. Absolutely. Um, but kind of seeing how how maybe lasers and photography can further integrate and create a you know a, a even better product would be interesting to see kind of how how that kind of shakes out. Yeah, absolutely, I agree, hundred percent so far. Let's see, moving on from that. So oftentimes, especially like in urban canyons and, and other kind of areas where the GNSS GPS environment might not be, you know, strong and, and, you know, oftentimes will create issues. I know there's a lot of work that's about this being done out there with other, mostly, once again, mostly UA in the UAV drone realm of using kind of real-time reality meshes and, and other kind of technologies to, as an addition to the IMU, to the GNSS to kind of create a, a third layer, I guess a fourth layer, and if you add the uh, the DMI in there as well, mm-hmm. of kind of just relative accuracy, or, or yeah, relative accuracy of the point cloud itself. So it kind of does things generally real time. I, I don't know if that would be possible with the, uh, the the amount of data we collect, but I'm sure at some point somebody will figure that out. Well, I think that relates a lot to the uh, overall national map effort, right? Uh, 3DEP, yes. having a uh, agreed upon uh, real DTM that everyone agrees is meets a certain accuracy threshold and is good enough for survey grade accuracy to be generated from it, right? So, I mean, if you throw in uh, a real time mesh that's not very accurate, it doesn't help. So, it's uh, it's always about defining the accuracy of the inputs in the end, which is absolutely which is a challenge. Yeah, and then and then finally, just to see where artificial intelligence and machine learning goes, it's something that we talk a lot about with uh, you know once again talking about reality mesh and things along those lines. Just seeing, you know, seeing how those technologies can be further integrated into mobile IDAR in terms of just speeding up not only collection, but extraction and, and just kind of integrating, you know, kind of next level, next generation computing. Other than that, you know, <laughs> just, just four small things, but. <laughs> oh, yeah, very small. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the AI, uh, AI and uh, machine learning technology branch is very fascinating, especially on the, uh, the back end of data process and the feature extraction. So far, I've seen that a lot of groups using it get you like partly there, but they promise to do everything, uh, and then they do it, you know, average. Uh, so that that creates a mistrust within the industry. So we always have to be careful with new technologies uh, when we introduce them in as a part of our workflow that we're not subtracting something in the process. Absolutely, absolutely, and a lot of times too, they they ask you to do your own QAQC on it as well. So it's like, well, hey, come on. <laughs> I'm doing half the work. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So if you're already QAQCing, you might as well have just done it from the beginning because exactly. if you find out that 50% of the data is a false positive, ugh, you know, like why why did they pick it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think there's <laughs> lots of promising things out there. And uh, it's nice that uh, a lot of things on the GPS, GNSS quality side with adding more satellite constellations are already planned and built into the technology based on the fact that it's a multi-channel, it's like 125-channel uh, receiver. Mm-hmm. So until there's 125 different uh, channels to listen to at the same time, I think we'll be fine for quite a while. It's good to know. It's good. It's good. Yeah, so it's a, an upgradable portion of it. And it's just the improvement of those uh, 
back-end processes for cleaning up the signal to noise and uh, getting the timing better and accounting for those things. Yeah, a lot of those things I think are in process. Now it's just moving it to the point where people can get value out of it, of adding those developments and consistency, right? That's always the two big exactly. things is, is making it marketable and profitable. Consistency, yeah. Then follow. Absolutely. Well, John and Dave, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Uh, it was really enjoyable to catch up with both of you and learn a lot more about KCI Technologies. Yes, thanks for the opportunity. It's been our pleasure. Yeah, you guys are really putting the best foot forward with the Regal VMX2HA technology, that's for sure. And we really appreciate your guys' work uh, in the field and uh, the quality that you bring to all your projects. We hear good things about you guys all the time from folks in the industry, so thank you. All right, well, thank you everybody for joining me again on a Road Trips with Josh in the VMX episode. The Regal Ridecast can be found in many different locations and keep you company while you're traveling home from work or jumping on an airplane again as travel resumes this year. So, as always, take care of one another and catch you next time. This is Josh, signing out. Thank you again to our wonderful guests, John Duggan and David Hedrick, and to our hosts with the most, Josh France. We all look forward to hearing more of KCI's success and please come back to keep us posted. And don't forget, you can subscribe to our RyeCast anywhere you listen to podcasts and the Regal Ultimate LiDAR webinar series through our international newsroom on www.regal.com. You, the Regal users, give us the best stories to tell. We always appreciate your suggestions, so please send us your ideas or comments to communications at regalusa.com. And as always, have an ultimate LiDAR day. Until next time, Miranda signing off.